All right, are there any children in the house this morning? Children, wave your hands in the air, make your way to the aisles, head to the back. There's a Miss Barb and Mr. John are back there. Pastor Andrew is back there for Junior Children's Church. Miss Jen's there. It's going to be a great morning. So why don't you make your way downstairs? No, you got to go downstairs, sweetie. And they're going to have a wonderful morning in church. Um, for those of you who uh, maybe didn't hear, um, we got word uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday, no, Wednesday afternoon that uh, Rhonda McCallum's mom uh, passed away. Uh, it was uh, not expected, so it was a sudden passing. And they had a celebration for family down south in the Newmarket area on Saturday. And they're going to be having a uh, celebration of life in the spring up here. So we'll keep you posted as we get more information. But we can continue to pray for uh, Rhonda and for the family as they walk through the loss of well, her mom and for her mom and for the children, and their grandmother, and uh, just to continue to pray for them. And uh, we continue to pray for all the families that are suffering loss uh, around our community. It's always tough. And uh, we just believe that God is able and God is there in the midst of it. So he's there to strengthen and to equip and to bring peace and comfort. So we continue to pray. This morning we're going to continue our series. If you want to grab your uh, inserts, we're going to continue our walk through Ephesians. It's been an awesome adventure so far. And uh, and I think, uh, I mean, I can't necessarily speak for you, but I can speak for myself. That, that God's really been opening some cool uh, doors and, and revealing some real awesome things about uh, this book that is uh, one of those books that I think we've all read and looked at and thought, ah, it's a good letter and it's fun, but man, it's rich. There's a lot of substance to it and, and it's just been awesome to journey through. So far, we're almost, I guess you could call it, this is like the halfway sermon uh, for this series uh, and then we transition out of chapter 3 into chapter 4 and into uh, a whole a different bit of context, but it's been really good. Uh, we open the series by talking about the first opening of the letter, and Paul began to explain to the church uh, the concept of this adoption that we have in Christ, this adoption into the family of God. And it kind of started there and it's been this continual theme throughout the next two chapters that we have become sons and daughters and heirs to his kingdom, which is just an incredible thing that God has done for us. And we, we've walked through this and then we moved into week two and Paul begins to talk about the spiritual blessings and how uh, this parallel happens between the Exodus story and the, the story of the cross. That, that, that God sent someone and that someone was Jesus to redeem us and to forgive us of our sins through the cross. The penalty, He paid the price for our freedom and His blood cleansed us and, and, shed, and covered our sin in this parallel to the story of Exodus when Israel was uh, set free from Egypt uh, back in the book of Exodus. This is incredible journey how Jesus is so... Uh, significant and the inheritance that God's given us is the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of that inheritance that we as adopted sons and daughters are a part of the family, have this inheritance and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit, which then moved into the end of chapter one, which was this prayer that Paul prayed that we'd be changed from the inside out, that we would receive spiritual wisdom, that we'd understand God better, that we'd understand God's promises and his power and Paul's just praying that we would just begin to grasp this context, which then 
shifted us into chapter 2, where Paul began to talk about the Gentiles and how God's plan. In chapter 2, he talked about we once were dead, but now we're alive in Christ. And he continued through that story about finding peace in Christ, that, that because of what, what Jesus did, he tore down the separation between Jews and Gentiles. And then as it moves into chapter 3, and Pastor Andrew talked about last week, that, that he begins to unfold this mysterious plan that God had through Christ for us to be brought in to the family. And this incredible story that God's writing and that we are a part of it and that God, through Jesus, that we become united with Christ, a part of His family and heirs to His kingdom. And then Paul gets us to this point in chapter 3 as we finish chapter 3 talking about being strengthened in Christ by the Spirit. And he begins a prayer which is so powerful. And that's where we're going to land this morning and that's where we're going to walk through uh, the last part, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. There's a little boy playing in a sandbox. How many of you loved playing in the sandbox when you were younger? How many of you still love playing in the sandbox? What's that? You didn't get time. I love being in the sandbox as long as I'm not wearing shoes. Because there's nothing like getting sand in your shoes. It's, oh, it's like, even if you shake it and dump it out, there still seems to be a lot of sand in there. Well, there's this young boy playing in the sandbox, and as he's digging away, he's, he's digging, which every child does, and I think they're thinking they're going to dig as far down as they can. He starts clearing the sand away, and all of a sudden, he uncovers that there's this large stone right in the middle of the sandbox. Some parent didn't plan this very well. And, uh, and there's this large stone right in the middle of the sandbox. And, and this young boy, as he's looking at it, trying to figure out what to do, he thinks, all right, how can I get this out of here so I can keep playing with my, with my dump truck and my bulldozer and my Tonka toys? And, and he's, he grabs his little shovel and he starts, starts shoveling around and he uncovers this stone. And he's like, okay, I need to get it out of here. And he digs a bit further so he can see the whole thing. Well, as he's got it opened up and all he needs to do is now get it out. And he starts trying to push the stone. And the stone's not moving. So he leans back to the edge of the sandbox. It's not a big sandbox. He puts his feet on it and he pushes those backs against some sort of support. He's pushing and he's pushing and he can't move it. And just as he gets it up just a bit, his legs give way and it falls back into the hole. And he can't get it out and he's struggling. So he's using everything he can think. All of his power, all of his might, all of his strength. And his father's staring at him out the window. He's just looking at him watching. And his son's struggling to push the stone out. And every time he gets somewhere, it falls back in. And Dad finally comes out a few moments later and he says, um, Son, why didn't you use all your power to remove the stone?" the young boy looked up at dad and says, Dad, I did everything I could. I even like put my back against the, 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 the wood and I pushed and I pushed and I used all of my strength, all of my muscles. And the dad looked at him and says, No, you didn't, son. Yes, I did, dad. He says, Then why didn't you call me to help? And dad reached down and picked the stone out. And put it off to the side. And the boy went about his fun playing in the sandbox. Now, any of you 
have any relation to that story? I mean, I think a lot of times we fall into this during life. We think, i got to do it myself. I can do this on my own. And I'll put all of my effort and all of my strength. And we fight with everything that we have to try to get whatever the stone is. Whatever it is in our life. We try to move it out of the way. We try to get it out of there. And we try to do all of this stuff on our own. And maybe God's sitting there saying, Son, daughter, why didn't you ask me for help? We try and fight it all ourselves. We try to do it all that we can. But we're not going anywhere and and it's not happening, it's not helping, even if we're spinning our wheels. Paul prays the end of chapter 3, much like he did at the end of chapter 1, that we would experience God's power and filling in our life. And he begins to say this powerful words which which conclude what some would say is a part one of part of a two-part book for ephesians that he finishes this this incredible teaching theologically rich profound study of jesus and who jesus is and he prays that god would step into our circumstances into our situations and change our lives that we would experience his power and his love and he prays this in is which seems like the end of part one and then part two is this practical living out how we become unified within the church and he he shares these words and and in fact not only does he pray he prays this prayer that god's power would fill us and it would overflow us but it says that not only does he write the prayer but that he's fallen on his knees and he's calling out for the church as he's writing these words let's read it ephesians chapter 3 When I think, Paul says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources he will give you mighty inner strength through his holy spirit and i pray that christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him may your roots go down deep into the soil of god's marvelous love And may you have the power, the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, glory to God by His mighty power at work within us. He is able to to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare ask or hope. May May He be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and through endless ages. Amen. Listen to the prayer that Paul prays for the church. 
I mean, some of these scriptures, these are like highlight scriptures. These are memory verse scriptures. You know, I wish, I pray that, that through from God's unlimited resources, He will give you inner strength through the Holy Spirit. That we would know how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. I mean, these scripture verses are so powerful that God can do infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And He's praying this in the context of what we've been studying. He's praying this for the church, that they would understand the marvelous plan, that they would understand that they've been adopted into the family, that they would understand that they once were dead, but now alive in Christ. And he's driven to his knees to call out and to pray for the church, not just centuries ago, but for us today. Luch writes these words in his commentary on Ephesians. He says, It was no human power that was generating such a change in people. It was none other than the work of God's Spirit inside men and women. To echo the words of Paul in the second half of chapter 1, so that's the the prayer in chapter 1, God goes about changing people from the inside out. That God goes about changing people from the inside out. What Jesus did on the cross was to bring humanity into the riches of relationship with God, the riches of relationship with God, so that the character of his community declares who God is. That Paul's praying because God is changing people from the inside out and it's radiating into the surrounding areas and people are going, What is going on? And Paul's preaching the gospel through this letter. Paul's preaching the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives through this letter. And it's so powerful. And he gets to the point where he says, when I think of it, when I remember all of it, when I look back, I'm driven to my knees to pray and I pray that God would move through you as the church, that God would unify you as the church and that the kingdom would be expanded because of the power and the love that God is pouring out into each one of you. It's powerful. It's profound. It's significant. It's not fighting the battle on our own, but going to God and saying, God, can you take this stone out of the way? So let's look at this. Let's break this down a little bit. The first thing I want to just hit on, and we've kind of already touched a bit, but I want you to connect the reflection here. There's a reflection that Paul makes, and we we mentioned this just a moment ago, but Paul says, when I think, when I think of all this, in the first verse, when I think of all this, what is is all this? Well, this links back to what he's talked about in the first part of chapter 3, which is the... um, which is about the the mysterious plan. And he talks about it, that he thinks back to that, and then he thinks back to chapter 2, what he's written, and he thinks back to chapter 1. Now he's talked about this whole context. He's talking about this reflection about what God has done. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. I pray to God. And then he declares that, Not just this, but he says the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Linking together what he's been talking about all along. That God had this plan way back in the beginning. God. 
And when I think of all this, I fall to my knees. I fall to my knees and I pray. I fall to my knees and I pray. And he begins to pray. And as he's, he's reflecting on what God has done, he's probably praying personally. But then he starts praying this declaration over the church. And he begins to make this petition for the church. This petition for us. This, this petition that, that, that we would experience God's power. That it would fill us and overflow and change and transform our hearts. And he has this petition for the church. Faith. The faith that Paul speaks of, Luch says, in this section of the letter, this chapter 3, is none other than a complete trust in the person of Christ. It's none other than a complete trust in the person of Christ. That he's making this petition and this prayer for the church. That, that we would have faith. That it's this complete trust in the person of Christ. There's a great church leader in the, 20th, in the late 20th century. Archbishop Desmond Tutu of Cape Town. And he used to spend several hours of prayer in the morning. But for this leader, prayer didn't just stop in the morning. It wasn't just forgotten about after he prayed in the morning. The rest of the day he remembered to pray. And there was a young man who traveled around with him. And he would describe this experience. That whenever, wherever they went, whatever new thing they were doing, Desmond Tutu would stop, pause, and pray. Everywhere they went, anywhere new they entered, he would stop and he would pray that he would seek God. N.T. Wright tags this line with this, uh, this church leader. He said, the Western church has perhaps allowed itself to be lulled into thinking that prayers and action are at opposite ends of the scale of Christian activity. On the contrary, he says, those who want their actions to be effective for God's kingdom, as Desmond Tutu's undoubtedly were, should redouble their time and, not and, and, and effort in prayer. Should redouble their time and effort in prayer. Prayer brings together love and power. The relation of love that grows up between God and God. And the person who prays. And the flowing of power from God to. And especially through that person. That the western church has maybe found a spot. Where they've lulled themselves on prayer. Yet Paul when he thinks of what God has done. Is driven to his knees and makes a petition for the church. Why aren't we driven to our knees when we think about and read about what God has done for us. When Paul shares this incredible truth and wisdom. That that Jesus. That Jesus. Died for us. And that we receive salvation through him. That we have been adopted because of him into God's family why aren't we driven the same way to our knees to pray so Paul prays this petition for the church and I think it's a very powerful petition for us in the western world 
right now. In our time and in our culture. In these moments. He prays this. And I'd like to suggest three requests that Paul makes. First one is this. That we'd be strengthened with power. Everybody seems to be looking for power. Everybody wants power. Everyone wants power of some sort. They think if they have power, they're in control. Whether it's money they think is power, whether it's position that they think is power, everyone seeks this power. And Paul's saying, I pray that the church will be strengthened with power. But it's not the power that your culture says. It's not the power that people are looking for. It's the power of Christ, the power of God, that you would experience His power. He says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you. He will power you with inner strength through His Spirit. Paul first prayed that God would grant mighty inner strength to these believers, to us. The Greek word for strength is opposite of despair, which he talked about in, in verse 13 last week when he said that, don't, uh, so please don't despair because of what, you are, what they are doing to me. Remember he's talking about how he was in prison, don't be in despair. He's saying, I'm, now he's opposite. I say, I'm praying the strength, the strength. Power, empower you with inner strength through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So the opposite of that. We find the source of this strength is in the Holy Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit to be with and within His followers after Christ had returned to heaven. The Spirit would comfort them, comfort us, guide us to know the truth, remind us of Jesus' words, point out when we did not obey, to give us right words to say and to fill us with power. Paul prays that, that we be strengthened with power. Power of the Holy Spirit. That, that the Spirit would fill us. That it would empower us with inner strength. With inner strength. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts. As you trust in Him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That you will be filled with power, with strength. Paul prays that we would be strengthened with power. Prays that we as the church, in our lives, and in, in, uh, in, our, in the family, and within the church, that we'd be strengthened with power. That's one request he makes. The second request he makes is that he says that we grasp the extent of God's love. That not only will we be strengthened with power, not only will we be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit, but that we would grasp the extent of God's love. That we might somehow be able to understand the extent of this love that God has for us. Like, like, that we could maybe just get our minds just a little piece around it. As he writes, Paul says, your roots will grow down into God's love. This picture of a tree, this strength. And keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Whose love? God's love. That we would maybe just have the opportunity to grasp 
the extent of God's love. It's so wide, it's so long, it's so high, it's so deep, but it's so significant. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. May you experience it and maybe just begin to get a grasp of the extent of God's love. That we would get this understanding, this, this, this picture that, that God's love is so great. It's so big. And He loves us so much. Paul prayed that, that we'd have this firm root. That, that he talks about this, the, the roots would sink in like the picture of a tree. That we'd have this firm root that's rooted in love. And that would give us power to understand the vastness of God's love. Because God's love reaches every aspect of our life. It reaches every aspect of our lives. God's love is so vast. It's so big. It reaches every single aspect of our lives. In fact, Paul says this in Romans. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can separate, can ever separate us from God's love. That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That it is so vast that it reaches every aspect of our life. Paul says it's what? It's wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep. What does that mean? It's covers every aspect of our life, but I guess I can continue here. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That this love is so wide, so long, so high, and so deep that it cannot separate from it, that it reaches every aspect of our life. In fact, it is wide, means that it covers the breadth of our experiences. It's our entire life, reaching out throughout our whole life, the whole world, that this wide, it covers the breadth of our experiences, because it covers every aspect of our life. It's long, which means it continues the length of our lives. That it doesn't end, but it continues. It's not just for a moment, it continues. It's long, it's wide, it's long. What else? It's high. His love is high, rises to the heights of our celebrations. Paul's kind of painting this poetic picture that it's, it's the breadth of your experience, it's the length of your life, it's the height of your celebrations, and it's Deep, which reaches to the depths of discouragement, despair, and even death. That you can't escape His love. That it reaches every aspect of our lives. And Paul's praying that we would just grasp the extent of God's love. The meat of the request is that we'd be able to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's powerful. 
Paul prays. And he prays that we as the church would be strengthened with power. Power of the Holy Spirit. That we would grasp the extent of God's love. And the last request I would suggest is this. That we be filled with God. That we be filled with God. This is a a simple request that Paul makes. He says, I pray that they would... I pray that they would be strengthened with power. I pray that they would grasp the extent of God's love. And I pray that they'd be filled with God. Then, Paul says in the last part of verse 19, you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. The fullness of life and power that comes from God. It is simple. He's praying this, that we might be filled Not just a bit, not half full, not uh, just to the top, but rather that we'd be full to the full measure, to the fullness of God, or to the with complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. In fact, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, he said, For in Christ lives all. The fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Paul prays to the church that they would be strengthened by his power, with his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul prays that the church would grasp the extent of God's love. And Paul prays that we be filled, not just a little bit, not half full or, or I guess if you're, what is it, a pessimist, half empty. No, not just right to the top, full overflowing, fullness, complete Filled with power. Filled with life that comes from God. Paul is praying that the church, the church would experience this type of transformation. And now I think part of it is, as he's transitioning, he's saying, here's the picture. And I'm praying that you would be filled with strength. Strengthen with power that you be that you would understand or grasp the extent of God's love, that you be filled full to the fullness. And then, as the church becomes unified, and he starts to pan that out in the last three chapters, it becomes an influential family in the community in which it's placed. That God's kingdom expands. Paul concludes. The prayer after he's prayed that we would be strengthened with power. That we grasp the extent of God's love. That we'd be filled with God. He concludes with this powerful statement. This declaration of praise. Some would call it a doxology. To conclude this section of scripture. And worship team if you want to come to prepare us for a closing song. How God's working in our lives. He He finishes with this. Now all glory to God. 
After he's prayed, and he's, he's prayed for that, that we'd be strengthened with power. He prayed that we'd grasp the extent of God's love. He prays that we'd be filled with God. He says, now, all glory to God. Who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, that we might ask or imagine that he would be able, and that he would do more accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying it's not just for this church in this moment. It's for the church for here and now. And it's to continue on. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's just pray this morning as we close. Father, I come to you. Lord, and I thank you so far for this incredible letter that is so transformational in our lives. And God, I pray like Paul prayed. Lord, as we reflect, as we think about as we remember, as we remember what you did for us through Christ, through Jesus, the plan that you had, that you brought us who were dead without hope and without God to a place where we are alive, hope, full of hope, full of joy. And adopted into your family. God that when we remember this. That we would fall on our knees. And pray. And that we would declare our praise. And our thanksgiving to you. And God like Paul's prayed. I pray for our church. I pray for this church here. I pray for the church as a whole in North America. And across uh, this world. That Father we would be filled. And strengthened. By the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that we would grasp just the extent of your love for us. That we would see that it's for our entire lives. That we would see how wide and how long and how deep and how high your love is. And God, that we would be filled with more of you. God, that you would work in our hearts and transform our lives. And God, that we would declare and that we would echo our praise and our thanksgiving back to you. So Father, would you have your way in our lives this morning? Would you move in our midst? Would you transform our lives? Now glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus. Through all generations, forever and ever, we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with us as we close in worship this morning? As we lift our hearts to praise God, as we declare our praise to Him. We give you praise this morning, Jesus.
Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through the Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus the Savior. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose with glorious life. Forever seated high I believe in God the Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit Our God is three in one I believe in the resurrection That we will rise again I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that you. Christ is Lord. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. And I believe that Jesus. Christ is love. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection. When Jesus comes again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. 
believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. I believe. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. God, we thank you for how you're moving in our midst. And Lord, I pray. I pray, God, that that we, each one of us, me, that I would be filled and strengthened with power. God, that I would grasp the extent of your love for me. That I'd be filled with more and more of you. God, that you would overflow from me and my life. God, that you would transform us as a church and as a family. Lord, that you would continue to lead us closer and closer to you. God, that you would continue to move us, direct us, and guide our steps. So, Father, we give you our lives. We give you who we are. Father, would you have your way in us and through us? Lord, would we remember what you've done for us? And would we declare it? Everywhere that we go, give us strength and power. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you, church. Thanks for joining us this morning. Feel free to join us for lunch downstairs. Soup and sandwiches and some desserts. It's going to be a wonderful morning as we just sit around tables and fellowship with one another. God bless you.
From Shinu? Well, no, I'm staying. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I always do. No.
something cool? 